Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Second Kings chapter two, verse six. This is what it says. Elijah said to him, he's talking to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. 50 men of the son of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle He rolled it and he struck the water. It was divided this way and that, so the two of them crossed over on dry ground. So it was as they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, Lord, he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be so for you. But if not, it will not be so. It happened as they continued on, they talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses and fire and separated the two of them. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw them no more. He took his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. He took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he went back to the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. He struck the water and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elijah crossed over. When the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. God, I surrender this word to you this evening. I thank you, Lord, for your presence and your power that's in our midst. I ask you to speak to our hearts and to change our lives this evening. Release a mighty anointing across this room that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that receives what your spirit is speaking tonight. Lord, we give you this time in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody say, amen. You may be seated. I'm very excited to be with you guys tonight. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen, thank you for allowing me and my son and Minister Rylan to come. I'm excited about what God's going to do amongst our youth over the next few days. And so if you haven't registered, please do that. Get your young people here. It's going to be a powerful time. Um, I believe by the end of the week, we're going to have a a room full of miracle workers amongst our young people. It's going to be amazing. And so um, I bring greetings from my wife. In fact, I know my wife and a number uh, from our congregation in Kona are watching, and so welcome to everybody who's watching from out and abroad. Uh, It's a joy to be with each and every one of you. 
Have you come tonight with expectancy? Few of us have come with expectancy. I, everybody else will come on board over the next few moments, but I want to talk about this passage. The Lord laid this as I was in prayer probably two weeks ago, and I have been wrestling over this word. I've not preached this uh, anywhere else, but God impressed upon me something very unique, and I, I feel like slightly unusual that I felt like he wanted to do amongst amongst us here tonight and in this, in this location. I felt like one of the things that God was going to do, and I just, I want to encourage you, even set the stage for what God, I believe, is going to do tonight. I feel like there are many within the sound of my voice that there was a time in your life you had an awareness that God had called you to do incredible things. You knew that you had a high and holy call upon your life, you knew that God had an anointing for you and he desired to use you. But for whatever reason, you have dropped that assignment from the Lord. I'm not even saying that you're backslidden here tonight. I'm not saying that uh, you're away from the Lord. In fact, I feel like there are many that, that you're, you're still saved. You love the Lord. That's why you're here even now. But in some way, shape, or form, you feel like you missed an opportunity. And what I believe God is going to do even tonight is he's going to restore callings. He's going to restore anointings. He's going to bring you back into the place that he desires you to operate in. Do you understand what a mantle is? I heard Pastor Daniel even mention the mantle. It was, I kind of took it as the confirmation that I was on the right track for this evening. We don't know a lot. There's not scripture in particular that really defines what a mantle is in the Bible, but mantle spoke a lot. Mantle was a, it was like the, it was like the cloak. It was the outer garment. Um, and there were a number of them that you see in scripture. Of course, this passage that we're reading here tonight was dealing with the mantle of a prophet. Elijah, you might remember the story, Elijah, several years before this account, was walking across a field and he sees a young boy and the Lord speaks to him, he's the one who is going to take up your mantle. And so he takes his cloak, he takes his outer garment, he goes up to this young man and the Bible says he throws his cloak around Elisha. And from that time, he begins to follow him, and there was an awareness that I have a call, I have a purpose, I have an anointing, I'm going to be the successor to Elijah the prophet. Powerful. There's a lot of garments you read about. In fact, you have good and bad garments all throughout Scripture. Um, Priests would wear particular mantles. Rabbis would wear particular mantles. It was known by their calling that there was a particular mantle that was placed upon them. But there were also mantles that were placed upon those who had sickness or disease. In fact, the Bible talks about how those who had leprosy, they had to wear a particular garment that warned people, I'm a leper. There were individuals like Bartimaeus. You can read about how he had a garment that really let people know that he was a blind man. I mean, today we've got, you might see somebody walking around with a red and white walking stick, and it's a sign. We know, well, this person is blind. Well, in this day, they had a particular garment that said, oh, this person is blind. 
And so garments meant a lot. And, and we see this uh, transition of the, the mantle. And guys, I, I just, what I am believing tonight is that there are some who have dropped the mantle of the Lord that tonight's going to be the night that you take it up again. That God has particular calls and assignments upon your life and you're going to fulfill everything that God has called you to do. You will accomplish that which the Lord has called you to do. Say amen. amen. I want you to tell your neighbor, you will fulfill every assignment that the Lord has on your life. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him, you have an anointing. Do you believe that? You believe you have an anointing. You have a call. You understand, I understand why Pastor Daniel talks about Dr. Morocco all the time. That's his spiritual father. There's a reason I chose, I was in a great church there was a time I was pastoring a non-denominational church on my own. I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to be under the covering of an anointed man of God. Do you understand that when you come into a church like King's, I mean, you've got a unique call and anointing upon your life. But when you partner with a church, you come under what Dr. Morocco teaches is a canopy of anointing. There's an overflow of anointing that can flow into your life simply because you're rightly yielded to a man or woman of God. Did you know that? This became so real to me, and I'm telling you, that what, what drives me to preach this tonight, this is like a life message to me. I had a wonderful spiritual father, his name was Steve Hill. He was the evangelist of the great Brownsville revival in Florida. And I had the joy of sitting under his pastoral ministry for a number of years to be mentored by him for about seven years uh, before he went to be with the Lord. You want to know where I burn for revival and where I, where I contend for a move of the Holy Ghost is because of that man of God. And I'll never forget the first time I sat down with him and I asked him, will you mentor me? Will you be my spiritual father? He agreed immediately. He told me, now you can't be messing in sin, you can't do this, this isn't gonna be counseling times, you need to live holy, but if you live holy, I'm gonna pour my guts into you. And I said, uh, and he told me, he's like, Jacob, you don't understand, you're stepping into a spiritual DNA as you come into this mentoring relationship. You're coming under an anointing. I understand that there is a spiritual inheritance that is mine, because I have been rightly submitted to certain individuals. You understand this? Young people, it's important for you to stay yielded and rightly submitted to your parents. So if they tell you you're going to youth camp this week, you say, yes sir, yes ma'am. My spiritual father, he died a number of years ago, I believe it was 2007. He went to be with Jesus. And I remember the night that I found out I was actually coming out of another church service and immediately there was a burden that was placed upon me, I need to go pray. And so I asked a, a pastor friend who lived very close to where we lived, I asked him if he would be willing to open the church and allow me to pray and I went into the place of prayer that night and I began to cry out, Lord Steve Hill's gone to be with you tonight. 
But I'm asking, as his mantle comes back down, I'm a spiritual son, and I want a portion of what you're pouring out from his life. And I'll never forget the moment. It was one of the most terrifying and wonderful moments all at the same time. I'd been praying in the church for about four or five hours. It was about three in the morning. And I felt as if God the Father himself stepped into the room. And I believe in that very moment, the Lord began to release the mantle that was upon that revivalist. And I've got words on that. I don't feel like it's for me to carry. I believe that he's pouring it upon upon many who would would be willing to walk in that spirit of revival. I don't believe it's for me to walk in alone. But you see this same exact trend with Elijah and Elisha. If you're here when I go up, you're going to have it. There had to be a contending for what God was going to do. It just wasn't a casual thing. It wasn't just like, yeah, yeah, whoever happens upon it, they're going to have. No, if you're there, I'm going to give it to you. And if you're not, you're missing it, friend. You want to know what drives me? There's going to be a day. This morning we heard about Stephen. We heard about Philip. Do you realize there's a day you're going to die and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to sit down at a table. The Bible calls it the marriage supper of the lamb. And you're going to sit down at this table and you're going to see Stephen, the martyr. I want you to think about this. You're going to see Stephen there. And you're going to be enjoying the meal. I don't know what they're going to have at the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. <laughs> lamb, steak, yeah. I don't know. Listen, I, I, I do think, you know, you, you notice uh, in, in, in when, when Peter was called to, uh, uh, when he was called to go minister to the Gentiles, uh, they gave him all of these unclean foods, Right? You remember this? They gave him all, and the Lord, I can't, I can't touch, I can't eat that. Nothing unclean is ever. I don't know what that was. Shrimp, shrimp is unclean. Pork chop, lobster. Yeah, I'm sure that was all there. Where did that sheep come from? Heaven. That tells me that there's meat and there's good food in heaven. Hallelujah. So we're going to sit down. Salmon, lobster, crab, the whole nine yards. We're going to sit down at the marriage supper, and you're going to eat this. Now, you just imagine you're sitting across the table from Stephen. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm excited to talk to some of these guys. Stephen, tell me what it was like. Tell me what your ministry looked like in those, in those early days. Tell me what the miracles looked like. And I can just imagine Stephen sitting there. And boy, it was amazing. Uh, I'm with Pastor Daniel. I don't know if he was there in the upper room or if he came in that crowd, but I'm sure we can hear the story. I, I, I heard that mighty rushing wind. I was down the street when the Spirit of God came upon that upper room. And I rushed down there. And most of those boys, they didn't even speak my language, but I heard the gospel in my own language. I got born again that day. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, and he begins to describe to you what the life and the ministry looked like. But then maybe he begins to tell you about the day that he was arrested, where he was drugged outside of the city and he was thrown upon the ground 
And he looks around and he's watching as individuals begin to pick up their stones and they are filled with rage and he sees the man Saul who would eventually become known as the Apostle Paul. They're picking up these stones and they begin to hurl these stones and and he's describing to you what it was like. I saw these stones coming towards me and I knew that my life was about to end. I look around and I, and I see the people filled with hatred and rage, but my heart was filled with love and compassion. He described to you, I looked up and I saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And in that moment, I knew I could not hold this sin against them. I said the same words that Jesus said as he was upon the cross, forgive them. He begins to share with you all the details of his life. And then he looks across the table and he locks eyes with you. And he says, tell me your story. Tell me what it was like in Wasilla, Alaska. Tell me what you did for Jesus. I think about that day, friend. What are you going to tell him? Well, you know, I was just pretty busy with work. And, uh, you know, so I didn't do a whole lot. I mean, I, I went to church on occasion, but, you know, how are your answers going to st- sound in front of these martyrs? This great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, what is it going to look like? What is it going to sound like? I tell you, church, that stuff motivates me. My spiritual father's gone to be with the Lord, and I can still hear him screaming at me, Jacob, I poured my guts into you. What are you doing with what I poured into you? I know there's a day I'm going to look that man of God face to face, and I will give an account what I did with the time that, that I have here on this earth. Now, I know some of you are already thinking, what are you going to say to Jesus when you give an account to him on that day? One of the things that I love about Elijah and Elisha You see this idea of this spiritual succession and what God was was desiring to pour out. And there was, I don't know if you're taking notes, I've just got a couple quick points for you. But you need to have a vision for your God-given inheritance. You need to have a vision for your God-given inheritance. You see, Elisha knew, I want you to think about what he said. I'm about to be taken to heaven, and he tells his spiritual son, uh, stay here, I've got to go over there. He tells him, stay behind, but Elisha knows that he's about to be taken up. Now, I don't know how this came about, but all of the prophets knew that Elisha, Elijah was about to be taken to heaven. But he said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with you as long as you're here, and until the Lord takes you, I'm with you. He knew and he had his vision set on his inheritance. You promised me an anointing. You called me to walk in the same mantle that is upon your life. And I am not leaving your side until I have it. And I love what Elijah says. If you're with me when I go up, if, 
You know, that's one of the biggest words in the Bible. Do you know that? If you obey, you'll see it all throughout scripture. If you will repent, if you will listen, if you will humble yourself and pray, if it is a, it's a contingency, are you going to do this or are you not? Friend, there was a moment where myself and Minister Rylin and our families, we had to decide if we're going to step out of the boat, God, you could use us in a great way in Kona. But there was this if thing like, are we going to do this or are we going to stay? We've got a great church. We're close to Dr. Morocco. Wow, this is awesome. But there was this if. And I'll tell you what, man, I never want to miss what God desires to do in and through me. And I don't want you to miss what God is going to do in you and through you. There is an anointing. There is a call. There is a mantle that God has designed for you. And I love, he says, he says, he took his coat and he hit it on the water. And they go across and then he turns to Elisha and he says, ask, what can I do for you? Solomon had a moment like that. Ask, what do you want me to give you? Have you rehearsed your answer? Have you ever thought, like, what would I say if God himself came to me and said, ask whatever you want? You should figure out what your answer would be. I know what my answer would be. That's between me and the Lord. But if I ever have an encounter, he had his vision clearly set and he knew, I don't want just your anointing, I want a double portion of your anointing. He had his vision, he knew exactly what he wanted. And you'll see many times throughout scripture where Jesus would even ask of of an individual, what do you want? He asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And that seems like kind of an obvious question, like obviously, Lord, I was crying out, obviously I want to be healed. But he says, what do you want? I don't know if you came into the house of God tonight with expectancy, but I want you even right now, before we lay hands or prophesy or do anything else in this service tonight, I want you to begin to set your gaze and your focus. Lord, what do I want you to do tonight? Maybe, maybe you're, you're here and you're not even right with God and you say, Lord, I want to be right with you before I leave here tonight. Maybe you came here knowing that you need a miracle and you say, God, tonight's my night and I'm going to grab a hold of whatever you have for me. I don't know what it is that's in your heart, but I I want to encourage you to begin to contend for that. So a short time later, we see the chariot of fire, the horses, a whirlwind catches up Elijah. And then I want you to look at verse 12. He does something here that's very interesting. This is going to help you. Some of you say, I want to take up the call of God. But it hasn't worked for me yet. And look what happens, 2 Kings 2 and verse 12. Elijah, Elisha saw this. He was just taken up in the whirlwind. And he cries out, my father, my father, the chariots, the horsemen of Israel. And when Elisha saw him no more, watch this, he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. He took his garment and he tore it in two, verse 13. Then he picked up Elisha's cloak that had fallen and went back to the bank of the Jordan. He took off, he tore his garment, and then he took up the garment of the prophet. 
If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There must be a taking off before there is a putting on. There must be a taking off before there is a putting on. Some of you want to put on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're unwilling to take off the garment of flesh in sin that has been defiled by the world. It doesn't work that way. Some of you desire, God, I want to be happy. I want joy, but there's a part of you, you found your identity in being depressed. This is just who I am and I struggle this way. There has to be a taking off before there's a putting on. In fact, you can even look, there's a whole list in Isaiah 61. He talks about how there's healing for the brokenhearted. You understand, if you want to step into healing, you have to be willing to release your broken heart. He says that there is freedom for those who are captives. That means you can't stay in your sin. You cannot stay in captivity if you desire to walk in freedom. He says that there is, um, there is comfort for the mourning. There is beauty for ashes. There's a praise for the spirit of heaviness. You have to take off heaviness if you want to walk in praise. Is this making sense to you tonight? This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Even blind Bartimaeus, I don't know if you've ever caught this, but you ought to read the story again. He's standing, <laughs> he's sitting by the side of the road and he hears a commotion and somebody tells him Jesus is coming. And he begins to cry out, <laughs> Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that there were those around him who told him to be quiet, shut up. He doesn't have time for you. You're a blind beggar. And most people would have given up right at that point in time. But he had a vision. He had a vision for what he knew God could do. And so he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped and he called for him, bring him to me. And do you know what Bartimaeus does? I love this. The Bible says that he stood up and he took his garment off. Remember at the beginning of the service, I told you blind men had a garment that defined who they, people knew he's a blind man and they knew it from the moment that they looked at him and saw the garment that he wore. But the Bible says that he took off that garment and he went to Jesus. Even before Jesus asked him, even before the prayer, before the encounter, before anything, he'd already set his heart, I'm going to receive my miracle tonight. I'm going to receive tonight. And so he went to Jesus, and of course, he, he stripped off that garment. What do you want? He said, Lord, Rabbi, that I would receive my sight. And he received his miracle that night. There must be a taking off before there is a putting on. So he takes up that garment. He puts on the new. He receives what he asked for, a double portion. This is a, a neat little Bible fact. Did you know the Bible actually records 14 documented miracles through the ministry of Elijah? 
14. So, you know, a lot of things. He stopped rain. He was fed by ravens. Um, he, the resurrection of the widow's son. He called down fire, the parting of the Jordan. There are 14 in total. Elisha, over the course of his ministry, there were 27 recorded miracles. Now help me with math here. What's 14 times 2? 28. You got a lot of people good at math here tonight. Wow. He performed 27 miracles when he died. He's one short of the double miracle anointing that his spiritual father walked in. But the Bible records, you may remember this story, the Bible records how there was a a moment after he had died, there were some individuals who took a dead man and threw him into the tomb, and the moment he struck Elisha's bones, he came back to life, brought his miracle count to 28, double what his father had walked in. I was talking with Minister Rylin earlier today, and He's like, wow, double anointing, double mantle. That's amazing. And I, he said, can we ask for that? And I said, I don't know if we should. And this is the reason why. I was watching a meeting with Benny Hinn. It was a pastor's impartation meeting. And he's praying for all these pastors, and he has this moment where he stops. And he asks one particular pastor the same question Solomon asked, the same question Elijah asked. Ask, what do you want? And this pastor said, I want a double portion of the anointing on your life. You know what Pastor Benny said? I like Benny Hinn. He rebuked him. And he said, why is your faith so small? You should be asking for 10 times or 100 times the anointing that is upon my life. Believe God for even more. I'm telling you, church, God desires for us to move from glory to glory to glory. Isaiah prophesied that the, that the moving of the kingdom of God would ever increase until the very return of Jesus Christ. That means that the anointing that we walk in, I mean, we shouldn't look back on Azusa Street and say, God, do that again. Do Brownsville again. Do Wales again. Do 95 at King's Cathedral again. Man, I, I believe and we learn from these mighty men and women of God and what the Lord has done. But hear me, God desires to do that and so much more. So much more. Minister Rylan, would you come? I'm coming to a close. This message has been stewing in my heart for a number of years. I used to travel a lot as an evangelist, and in my travels, I guess it's just because my last name is Barrientos, I would get invited to speak at a lot of Hispanic churches. The problem is, I'm what you call a Taco Bell Mexican. I'm about as American, I'm about as white as they come. I just come in a brown package and I got the name. So I get invited, I don't speak Spanish, I'm a Taco Bell Mexican. And, um, but I'd get invited to preach at all these Spanish speaking churches. So I needed a translator and I was praying, God bring me a translator 
who really can flow with me, who catches my heart, who can flow well with me and all of that. And I'll never forget, I was in a, I was actually teaching a class. And there was this gentleman, Hispanic gentleman, he's about 70 years old. His name was Nick. And I came and I laid my hands on Nick. And I had one of the most vivid prophetic visions that I've ever had in my life. As I laid hands on Nick, I saw Nick standing in this field and I saw that there were dropped cloths all over this field. Nick was, again, in his 70s. But I saw Nick go and he picked up one of these garments that was scattered across the field. And this was the word that the Lord gave to me. I told him, Nick, God is calling you to the ministry of dropped mantles. God is calling you to the ministry of dropped mantles. There was a time in his life when he had been called to be an evangelist. I didn't know this. God had called him to travel and to preach and to do the works of the ministry. And I had just begun to get to know Nick because we led evangelism at a church I was on staff with for about five years. And it did not matter what the outreach was. We'd go minister to the homeless and here comes 70 year old Nick pulling up in his truck, setting up chairs. He built me a pulpit to preach to the homeless. We would call an outreach late at night. We'd go down to the clubbing areas in Dallas. We'd go to the homosexual clubs and go and love on those people, pray for those people. And here comes Nick, 70-year-old Hispanic man. He'd show up at those outreaches. It didn't matter what the outreach was. We'd go knocking door to door and he'd show up. What was amazing is Nick, when he first came into our, into our lives, he was walking with a walker. But as he began to step into what God had called him to do, God began to strengthen his physical body. I didn't even realize it until I saw a picture in one of our outreaches and he was using a walker. And I'm like, Nick used to walk with a walker. I couldn't even believe it. I went and asked him about it. He's like, yeah, the Lord has healed me. Nick began to travel with me to every church. He would pay his own way. He would drive sometimes for hours. I would try and give him an offering. I'd try and give him a portion of what we'd receive in these different churches. He would never take it. And his wife came to me one day and says, Pastor Jacob, you don't understand. Almost 50 years ago, God called Nick to be a mighty evangelist. And he dropped the call of God. He was leading a wonderful business. He was a good father. But he never did what God called him to do. And he says, you don't understand. You don't understand what this season has been for him. It's like he's been able to pick up the mantle that he dropped all those years ago. It's like he's been able to pick up that which he didn't walk in for all these years. And the Lord redeemed it. Can I tell you, I mean, that's been now, I mean, almost 10 years now. Nick is still doing the work of the evangelist. He still goes down to the homeless. He still ministers where God opens doors. God is using him in a mighty way. He's redeeming those years. One last story and then, and then we're gonna pray. 
Did you know, how, how many of you know of or you've heard of Steve Hill before? Quite a few. You know what Steve Hill was called to do when he first got saved? You're never going to guess this, so I, I won't even have you try. He felt the call of God to start a boy's choir, a boy's singing choir to travel to churches and to sing boy's choir. His wife was the evangelist. <laughs> but something began to happen as he was obedient, one act of obedience after, so he joins the choir. He joins the choir. And as he was faithful to that, he would hear and obey. He would hear and obey. After he went to be with the Lord, somebody asked his wife in an interview, how did you guys end up at the Brownsville Revival? How did you end up this mighty revivalist? And she said, oh, it was simple. We would hear and we would obey. We would hear and we would obey. We would hear, join the choir. We obeyed. And next thing you know, God gives us another assignment. By the time I met evangelist Steve Hill, he'd been a missionary, he'd been a youth pastor, he'd been a senior pastor, he'd been a revivalist, he had touched nations, he had started teen challenge centers. I mean, God used him mightily all around the world. And I'll never forget the day where God put in a, an apostolic anointing upon his life in a mighty prophetic meeting. And from that, I mean, within, within years, within a few short years, there were like seven churches that popped up out of nowhere. And I'll never forget what Steve Hill said. He says, I was called to be a choir boy. But all along the way, God would call somebody, I want you to be a pastor. And they would drop the mantle. But Steve over here is faithful. Let's give that to him. He's continuing on. I need a revivalist in Argentina. And I'm calling her. And she drops the mantle. Well, here's Steve. He's being faithful. I'm going to give him that mantle. On and on and on and on until the mighty, I mean, it's the longest running revival in American history was the Brownsville revival from choir boy, drug addict before that. I'm telling you, there is a ministry of dropped mantles, church. There is a ministry of dropped mantles, and there's going to be a day. Revelation, oh, you want to know a scary verse in the Bible? Revelation chapter 3 says, hold fast to that which you have, that no man take your crown. Did you know that there are rewards in heaven that God desires to give to you? But if you don't fulfill the call that is upon your life, Think about this. For all eternity, you're going to watch somebody walking around heaven wearing a crown that you should have had. That's not going to be me, friend. That's not going to be you. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.